It's time for JT the Brick. JT. Woo! Hey, girls. How are you? Wow, I can go in 10 different directions today. Getting to know Raider Nation the way that you see them now, it's just different. JT the Brick. I think it's so important, especially for this new generation of Raider fans. Now we got something. Now we got some guys out of the tub, out of the training room, doing what they needed to do. It calms down the energy of the Raider Nation and saying, man, a lot of guys have been missing for a while. Where are they? And now they're back. This is this is what the Raiders are all about. And now, here's JT the Brick. Thanks for coming back, everybody. JT here, brought to you by the 872 Labors. Tommy White leads the way for us. We should have Tommy on uh, one of the days this week. Charles Woodson is coming to town. I'll be with Charles on Friday for his golf tournament, which will be a lot of fun. Charles is doing business all over the country. He's back in Vegas on Thursday and Friday, so I'm looking forward to being with C. Wood. See how that goes. Sunday, pre- and post-game from the Torch. If you're coming out to visit us, if you're listening on our mobile app and you're coming to the game, get up to the 200 level on the Torch. We do about an hour and a half pregame show, and we got some good players coming, some former alumni, current alumni coming. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we're at the Torch. Come on out there. If you're tailgating outside, J-Lot, that's where usually I'm hanging out with the Black Hole. That's always a good time. And all the spots around Allegiant Stadium as we get rolling. Bill Williamson will join us in a few minutes. Uh, Yankees are playing. Padres lost last night and had one hit. you kidding me? Padres got one hit and shut out in front of a sold-out house. Kyle Schwarber hit one of the fastest home runs I've ever seen in my life. In my life. And Bryce Harper from Vegas. Wanted to get that in here, too. Bryce is one of the most unique athletes I've had the pleasure of meeting. If you've met uh, Bryce over the years, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated at 16. This is his moment. He's playing the Padres. If the Phillies get to the World Series, Bryce Harper will have a World Series trip. Mike Trout doesn't. So when you look at Bryce Harper, this is a big couple of weeks for him. Gangster Raider could start off this hour, put him up on the flagship. Go ahead. Hey, what's happening, JT? I'm 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 just a grown old Raider fan this week because I don't like the narrative that's being put out there. Everybody act like Waller is the only one that got paid. Didn't Renfro get paid too? Didn't Derek Carr get paid too? Didn't um um the coach get paid too? So everybody trying to make it seem like Waller's the only one that got paid. Waller played more games this season than Renfro has. Waller hasn't fumbled on back-to-back plays and calls us the game like Renfro has, but it seems like the narrative is trying to be blame everything on Waller since he got paid. Renfro got paid, Carr got paid, several people got paid this season. Why does it seem like everybody trying to see like Waller's the only one that got paid? And also this narrative that, that Vinny's trying to put out that it's all on the defense and um, Patrick Graham coordinated, I, I think that's wrong. It's been more on Josh McDaniels and his play calling and his direction of the team. The first couple of games, he acted like we didn't even have Josh, Josh Jacobs. Now he finally realized we got Josh Jacobs, and then he still don't even use him when we could have won the game against Kansas City if they would have ran the ball on third and one or fourth and one. So I don't like this narrative where they're trying to, they're trying to blame it on Patrick Graham and Darren Waller, the black guys. You know what I'm saying? Instead of the people who also got paid. Well, Hunter Rimpo right, got whatever. paid. Goodbye. We're not doing black guy, white guy radio, dude. What are you doing? What are you doing? Really? Black guy, white guy radio? Really? Wow. Okay. Look, the narrative is the cover of the Review Journal today is Vinny Bonsignor. Defense is a major issue for the Raiders. That's on the cover of the newspaper today. Team near bottom of the league in almost all major categories. We'll talk about the offense and the defense on the show. We try to give you every side to the show. We don't involve race. We don't involve anything like that on the show, as I said yesterday. So we're running out of time right there, I can tell you that. 
They're not on this show. There's other shows you can call on other stations, and they'll take your call with that. Uh, Waller, no one, Waller got paid, and Waller is not having a great year. Renfro got paid. He's not having a great year. He was concussed and out for two weeks. Concussed. And Derek Carr got paid. Derek's not having a great year. Devontae got paid. I think Devontae's playing well. Devontae will catch anything thrown to him. He had a juggle, not a drop. He had a juggle where he couldn't get his feet in bounds, and that's what happened with him. So there's a lot of criticism to go around as I bring in Bill Williamson, longtime Raider insider. And, Bill, you know how long I've been doing this. This is what happens. The Wolves are at the door when you're 1-4 and four and you need a win, and they got to get this one because Houston is not near the top of the league. This is a big game for the Raiders. How do you see it? Oh yeah, JT. I mean, you know, it's funny. We've been uh, we've been talking must win here for what three, four weeks, and but they're still they're they're not dead yet. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's, it's it's one and four. And it's not good. And you look at the history, and you know, it's not very promising to make the playoffs at, at this you know at, at this record. But you know, there's 12 games left, and the Raiders have a really manageable schedule the rest of the way, particularly the next six games. You know, the Raiders' opponents in these next six games are combined 13, 20, and 2. And there's not really a quality team, you know, in that mix. Now, things can change, and teams may get healthy. Raiders can get injury. You know, you never know. Week to week, it, it, it things change. But the point is, this is the opportunity. And what they got to do is, and it's very simple, it's just you start stacking some wins. You know, win this week. Take a breath. You're two and four. Win the next week. Take a breath. You're three and four. And I really think these next two games are so important because the trade deadline is coming up mm-hmm. in 13 days. And you know, if the Raiders lose one of these very winnable games, then the Raiders brass knows knows the opponents coming up are these are all winnable games. Mm-hmm. That if you are two and five at the, at the trade deadline, maybe you start thinking about doing some things that you wouldn't have if you win both of those games. So, you know, this is a real critical time. Yeah, let's stay on that, Bill, because we saw what happened with Carolina and what they were able to do with Robbie Anderson and some other teams that are making trades here. There are some rumors today about some other potential trade possibilities. You know, you know this team as good as anybody. Dave Ziegler, didn't give fifth-year options to some players, and he rewarded other players with extensions here. When you look at this roster development, what do you see that jumps out at you? Well, it's yeah, I mean, this is a team that won 10 games last year, and I, I believe the Raiders had the most turnover on the 53-man roster, you know, at the beginning of September in the league. And so they obviously felt that they needed, um, you know, they needed to put their own spin on it, and that happens around the league, but again, if it's the highest rate in the league, that's, that's dramatic. Um, but on the flip side, they gave, you know, I think it was six big contracts this offseason, extensions, and, you know, and, and four of them were in-house guys. So they, they saw guys they wanted to build around that, that were from the previous regime. So there's not a whole lot left as far as, I know uh, ESPN had a report this week that, you know, uh, Clint Farrell and, and, John and Abram are on the are being shopped. That's ESPN's report, not mine. And you know, and and they quoted the NFC executive saying that they want guys who have their personality, the new brass's personality. But again, there's not that much left because they they've already kind of attacked that. 
So, uh, you know, I, I find it very interesting. But, yeah, the, the fifth-year option guys, including Josh Jacobs, I mean, look at and, and, again, this is just me talking. This is, you know, I guess speculation. It's certainly not a report. But if the Raiders are 2-5, and five, you know, at that last 48 hours before the trade deadline, do you consider trading a running back who's top of the list, number three in the league, I think, in yardage right now, and who would have some value and who is a free agent in a few months? So that's where we're at right now mm-hmm. is that if the Raiders – they're either Raiders are going to be either talking trade or, hey, we, we're, just, we're just on the cusp of the playoffs after these next two games. That's why it's so critical. Bill Williamson's our guest, covers the Raiders for SB Nation. 26 years covering the NFL and doing a great job. So you reported 46 minutes ago. You got an update on star tight end Darren Waller not practicing today. Look into that for me and... What do you think could happen by Sunday here? Just It's speculation, but knowing the type of injury, where he's been this year, what do you expect to see from Waller? Yeah, you know, I, I, there's a lot of great reporters in Las Vegas. I'm not, so that's where you know, I got that information from. Um, McDaniel said at his press conference today, he said, you know, he, he indicated that he is hopeful that both Moreau and Waller can play this week against Houston, but he said it wasn't a prediction. Now, this is before practice, and then Moreau was on the field. So that, you know, barring a setback, he should be playing Sunday. But, you know, Waller is going to be a week-to-week thing. And one thing I've noticed, I don't know if it's coincidence or, or, or not, but a lot of times during this first five weeks when players have been kind of questionable that it, on Friday, it kind of tends that they're not playing on on Sunday, and I, I don't know, you know, every injury is, is different, but I, it may be philosophy of this staff and its training staff that if you're not, you know, dang near 100, you're not playing. Again, that's just something that I'm, I'm wondering out loud because it, it seems to be a trend. So if he, you know, if he only, and, and guys who practice on Fridays haven't played on Sunday, and that's kind of unusual. So we'll just have to see how this plays out. But, yeah, I mean, if he's not on the practice field four days before a game with a hamstring injury, which is mm-hmm. always, you know, there's, there's high potential for aggravation of those type of injuries, we'll see. Bill Williamson joins us. So, Bill, I've been looking at Houston. It's not a real deep dive with them that much. Uh, I got all the stats that you have here. Davis Mills, they can run it. They're giving up 165 rushing yards a game. That's a lot. But they're under the top five in points on defense. They're giving up 19.8. So what does that tell you with all your years of expertise? They give up a lot of yards, over 400, but they don't give up a lot of points. Yeah, I mean, it's defensive coaching staff, you know, defensive heavy of Levy Smith, of course. And I don't know, it's uh, – like you said, it's it's not a real exciting team there. I mean, I I think it's a it's it's a winnable game. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been kind of hanging around. They've, they've they've they're they're kind of a puncher's game. You know, I, I I if I had a guess, I think this game might be similar to the Denver game from a couple weeks ago, where you know it, it's close, but the Raiders do enough to not really be sweating at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how many games the Raiders are going to have without sweating, either on the good side or the bad side, but I do expect the Raiders to win this game. They certainly should. And 
And if they lose, it's it's a really a bad way at one and five, and not just because it's one and five, but how you got to one and five. Yeah, it's how you get there, and I, I think they'll win too. Finally, you looked ahead at New Orleans uh, the week after that, as the Raiders will go on a two week trip, not coming back to Vegas. New Orleans is pretty banged up, huh? Yeah, I mean they got five guys and um, out, and you know bigger name guys, Latimer and and Landry among them. Um, and some offensive linemen, yeah. So we'll see how that goes for them. And the one thing that the Saints have going for them is they're playing Thursday night. So may, as far as the Raider game, if that's not helping them this week when they've already you know, ruled out five key players, but they'll have that extra three days and they're not, you know, they don't have to travel next week. So we'll see. It's week to week, of course. But, again, it just lends to the fact that this is a real winnable stretch for the Raiders. All right, Bill, uh, good to talk to you. I'll see you again. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. And, again, I think you summed it up nice. Got to win this game and what's ahead of this. It, you, you suggest and think, too, with these next three games coming up. I'm not predicting three in a row. I'm not in the prediction business. But I believe that we both agree they've got to get going. And they have to score. They have to get this explosive offense up and running and play better defense, right? Yeah, you just got to play. It's, just, it's simple as just make more plays. You know, I, I know a lot of Raider fans are kind of warming themselves, talking themselves into, well, we're just a few plays here, a few plays there. Not really. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't the greatest. You know, I've heard fans say, this is the greatest one in four team ever. What does that mean? Who cares? Yeah, who cares? You know, um, it's, you, 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 if you look at it, every game they've lost, the other team made more plays. And it's really as simple as that. And the Raiders just need to play a clean, smart game in a winnable game. They're going to hold down on the penalties. They're going to have to not turn the ball over because what's a, what's a recipe to lose when you're a seven-point favorite at home against a, a, a not a good team is you turn the ball over and you make dumb mistakes. And that, that's just what they can't do. It's just if the Raiders are just play a clean game and – and do it for four quarters, they should get out of this with a win and start feeling better about themselves. That's two and four, and then worry about the next week. Yep, I agree with you. Take care, Bill. Have a good week. Talk to you soon. Hey, see ya. Bill Williamson joins us. So I tell you, we got the insiders today. Uh, one of the biggest ones in all the NFL, and here on our channel, Raider Nation Radio and Vegas Nation, Vinny Bonsignor joins us. And, Vinny, your cover story, defense is a major issue for the Raiders. You did a deep dive. You've been in front of Patrick Graham in this defense. Tell me what you think needs to change. Well, they used to need to play better football, uh, first and foremost. And, you know, they're, they're giving up way too many points. They're not very good in the red zone, giving up 14 touchdowns on 17 uh, opponents' trips uh, to their 20-yard line uh, or beyond. They're tied for last uh, in takeaways, tied for second to last, I think it is, in, in sacks. Um, so it's just a, it's, it's a litany of issues right now that they got to get squared away. And, and here's the thing, I don't look at them and see the same issues that I saw, you know, a couple of years ago where they were giving up 30 points a game and just were not able to compete from a talent perspective uh, against their opponents. They've shown in spurts, uh, various quarters, sometimes even halves, uh, that they can play and then, and then they can play at a high level. It's just a matter now of putting it together for four quarters. I thought for the first time all year, the Raiders' offense basically played four good quarters of football against Kansas City. They need their defense to play four good quarters of football, uh, but they weren't able to do that. 
and uh, they, they lost as a result. Part of, partly, they, they lost as a result of that. Vinny Bonsignor joins us. You're out of practice today. No Waller, Moreau back. What do you think's going on here with Waller and the hamstring? Because, as you pointed out, that was a problem in the preseason. In training camp there, where it started to tinge and twing, and we didn't know what was going to happen there, and we're still dealing with it now. Yeah, um, and that was the whole point of him not practicing during training camp. Hamstrings can be a tricky issue, uh, especially for, at that position. Think about what Darren Waller needs to be explosive, uh, to be dynamic, to be fast, to jump, to make the cuts that he needs to make. You need your legs to block. Uh, you need your legs. Uh, and if there's an issue with the hamstring, it's going to limit you. Um, you know, we don't know what he's been dealing with all year. If this is a continuation of the hamstring issue that he had, in training camp, or if that has never really necessarily gone away, that they've been able to manage it. Uh, but it makes sense to me when you look at uh, the level of play that he's had so far this year that maybe um, he's been dealing with this for a little while now. Vinny Bonsignor joins us. Vinny, so as you talk to Josh McDaniels today, and you know, I think he gives you as much as he can there on the injury front, but what I wonder, what's going to happen with the plays that didn't work? Are they going to double down and try to execute those plays? Are they going to put it in that bucket he talks about? And is this offense going to get explosive? How do you think with the personnel that they have, when healthy with this offensive line now seeming to be down to five players that are going to consistently play, what are your expectations for this offense? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I liked what they did against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, for the most part, obviously, they didn't win the game, so... Um, you can't be completely satisfied uh, with it. But, you know, the Raiders were one-for-one one in the red zone, uh, scoring touchdowns against the Chiefs. Why? Because they scored explosive touchdowns outside uh, the red zone. So being able to do that, you know, definitely helps mitigate some problems that you might be having uh, in the red zone. We saw some explosive uh, plays. You know, I, I, I understand that, you know, fans can get frustrated, uh, you know, especially when you base it off of results. You know, uh, they go for it for two um, and, and get stuffed on a run game, on a run play. They come back on fourth down, and instead of running the play, uh, which a lot of fans are saying, why didn't they run it? Well, they got stuffed at the line of, at the uh, yeah. at the end zone uh, for the two-point conversion. They kind of went back. I think Derek saw what he saw and liked what he saw from a defensive standpoint and decided to dial one up uh, to, uh, uh, to Devontae Adams. But two wide receivers run into each other. We don't know what the result of that play uh, would have been had the players executed the play the way it was supposed to be uh, done. So uh, a lot of, you know, when you're talking about play calling, yeah, I'm sure they're going to throw some things out, add some things. That's pretty natural uh, for an NFL team. But I still think that, for the most part, it boils down to players executing at a high level. And frankly, um, you know, three or four times per game, the Raiders, you know, in these, in these losses, haven't been able to, to, you know, fully execute the way they need to uh, on those certain plays that have really cost them big time and, and really, frankly, four games. All right, Vinny, last one, non-Raiders. You and I were all over the Raiders coming to Vegas. We had the right information. A lot of people didn't. And now I think I've been on the right side of this Daniel Snyder story. I think there's enough votes. Ursay, let it be known. You got Kraft and Jerry Jones going after each other on Goodell's structure of his contract. There's a lot happening around the NFL, but the Snyder thing, as you and I have talked about on and off the record, connected to the Raiders and the resignation of Gruden and what happened there that had an effect on the Raiders season. So what do you think is going to happen here from your sources around the NFL with owners and what could happen here with Daniel Snyder, obviously, and the issue and how it connects to the Raiders and Gruden? Yeah, uh, that's, you know, um, you, you have to keep those connected because 
you know, uh, John Gruden's emails came out of the investigation into Daniel Snyder and the and the, and the Washington Commanders. So there's always going to be that link, and um, you know, I'm sure people are starting to maybe draw some conclusions or connect some dots. I don't have any information on any of that um, in terms of how you know some of those emails did come out. We're going to maybe find out, you know, if this thing goes to trial with John Gruden, we're going to you know get discovery and, and maybe even figure out and get to the bottom line on how these emails uh, got out. But that's a separate issue to me to what's going on with Daniel Snyder now uh, and the mm-hmm. NFL. Um, in my experience, it's very rare uh, that a fellow owner uh, would come out the way Jim Irsay came out uh, and say what he said uh, without some you know, confidence that he's got the backing uh, of, of certain other owners in this regard. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you know they're going to be able to get rid of Daniel Snyder tomorrow or this year or in the next two years. Uh, a lot of times this is a long, drawn-out process, especially – if Daniel Snyder wants to fight, um, and I'm sure he's going to get his coalition of owners together to side with him uh, in in terms of not making him sell this team and get rid of this team. So I think it's going to be in for a, a long fight. And now, you know, there's been reports that he's got quote-unquote dirt, you know, on, on other owners and the commissioner. It feels like uh, that's just sort of a threat um, to, tell, to tell other owners, hey, don't come looking to make me sell my team because I'll take you down with me. How valid that is, I don't know. I uh, don't have the information on that. But, you know, these things can get pretty ugly. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see where all this uh, goes. But I will say that an owner like Jim Ursay, um coming out and saying what he said, to me there's something there when, yeah. when, when an owner goes in front of the cameras on record uh, and said what Jim Ursay said. Uh, Vinny, let's hear about your partners heading into a home weekend. What do you got going on? Yeah, we're going to be back at uh, the Rockstar Bar and Grill on Thursday, and then on Saturday uh, ahead of the uh, uh, Texans game. I know it's a big, way, a big win, or big win, big game for for the Raiders, obviously. And I know their fans are a little bit on uh, you know pins and needles right now. Uh, come hang out with us on Thursday and Saturday ahead of the game. Uh, talk Raider football, talk NFL football, watch some great college games that are that are on uh, uh, television that day, uh, and get you set up for the game on Sunday. Thank you, Vinny. Have a good rest of the day. Appreciate you. Thank you, JT. You got it, Vinny Bonsignor, our weekly insider segment that we do with him on Wednesdays. We move Vic Tafer up to tomorrow. We'll have Vic on tomorrow, plus some other guests as we're putting it together here. And we continue on. I'm fascinated by the Daniel Snyder story because it had an effect on a lot of people. It had an effect on me. It had an effect on Raider fans. Uh, if, if this doesn't happen with the emails, and again, no support of what John Gruden said in those emails. Okay, We've been friends a long time, but I don't support what was said in those emails at all. And if those emails were never released, there's no Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler, there's no other players coming in. That had an effect on everything, no matter where you stand on this. And it just shows me again that life changes. You, you could think of something happening on a Tuesday, and by Saturday, it's all gone. I remember last year, last year I, I interviewed John Gruden on a Tuesday. We were talking like great friends, asked me if I wanted a pair of Skechers. And we were talking and I said, take care, coach. The next Tuesday, I was interviewing Rich Passaccia. Now I'm interviewing Josh McDaniels and all great men. All, all, all guys that I have know, I'm getting to know Coach McDaniels, and they've been nothing but kind to me throughout my career here. This is a winning-based organization. Over the decades here, you get judged by wins. How you treat other people, how you are as a person on and off the field. From John Madden to Tom Flores to a lot of good men who have coached here, a lot of people behind the scenes. But Daniel Snyder's a bad guy. He's just a bad guy, 
And the, I, I think Ursay let it out. And he had an explosive interview, Scrum, where he met with a lot of members of the media. And he says his workplace misconduct, talking about Snyder, was gravely concerning. And the, this Mary Jo White investigation into Washington's years of alleged workplace, workplace misconduct and their financial improprieties under Snyder are at the root of this thing. What's happening, and Ursay's all over it. And we're going to see how this plays out. Mary Jo White, a former U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York and a former U- U.S. Uh, Securities and Exchange Commission chairwoman, is probing into this matter on behalf of the NFL. So if she comes out with something that shows that he was skimming ticket money, you tell a billionaire that you took a dollar from a billionaire and they'll freak out because billionaires know how to make money and they care about the money. A lot of times people say, well, a billionaire, man. They got, No, they care. They became billionaires because they cared about their business and money. And the league requires 24 or 32 owners to approve such a vote. I think they have the 24 now from my sources around the league. And I got some on this topic. So I think he's done. I really do. And what he's going to do in retaliation? Well, that's really a big part of the story. And ESPN is covering that. The other part of the story is what happened with Kraft and Jerry Jones? As Jerry Jones said, don't blank with me. Because Jerry Jones is not really happy about Roger Goodell and the contract structure going forward, which is fine. I'm not in those meetings. But for Jones and Kraft to exchange words at a meeting, that made headlines. That made big headlines by ESPN because Seth Wickersham and Don Van Natter, who are two big-time columnists, are reporting on this. And they're saying that they engaged in a heated exchange at the owners' meeting. The source said that Kraft joined the majority in strong support for the measure for Roger Goodell in regards to his contract status with Jones, the lone dissenter, the only one, one out of 32, basically said to Kraft, don't. F with me. I'm kind of a Jerry guy. I always been because of his relationship with Mark and Mr. Davis. Mr. Davis, who passed on, mentored Jerry Jones. I've interviewed Jerry Jones on the field about that topic. And Jerry Jones has a lot to do with the Legion Stadium and Legends and Vegas and supporting Mark getting to Vegas. So this is tricky here, man. I stay out of this stuff. I wait for these guys to report on it. But for Jerry Jones, he said it, and enough people heard it, man. And, man, it leaks. Uh, Jones is concerned that the triggers of Roger Goodell's proposed bonus pool and a new contract will be too vague and not connected to a strict set of financial goals and metrics. Well, why does Jerry care so much about this? Because when Jerry bought the Cowboys, he tore it down. He all of a sudden said, no, we're going to have radio rights. We're going to own the preseason. We're going to have all these games in the preseason. We're going to own it. We're not going to share it with it. That was a maverick move at the time, and it brought in – billions of dollars to the league and these owners to to carve up. And then what Jerry's done with stadium expansion and the television contracts. We're talking Jerry Kraft, Mr. Davis, when he was alive. These guys did it and they built up this multi-billion dollar league. You don't mess with them. These, These are the owners in sports who are at the top of the mountain. All due respect to the NBA, Major League Baseball, there's some billionaires too, but not like the NFL. The NFL moves the needle. So that was a half hour of radio with Vinny Bonsignor and Bill Williamson, and now we can hear from you the rest of the way. I'm wide open to the top of the hour. Let's get some Raider fans in here on the X's and O's of the game. You know, you X's and O's guys and gals out there that see something in this game that maybe we're not talking about enough. 702-365-9200. And how about the Warriors last night? Man, they look good. Holy cow. 
The second unit for the Warriors is better than the first unit for the Lakers. That included LeBron and Anthony Davis. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Remy Martin, the official cognac of the JT The Brick Show. Remy Martin, team up for excellence. Turn it up, DeMond. Let's get going here. Raiders play the Texans on Sunday, pregame on Compass Media Networks. On 11.15 in the morning at the Torch, come join me at the Torch. See people at the Torch raise their Modelo to Eric Allen and myself. And I can't wait to get back to work with Eric Allen. Our new podcast is up, Raiders Roundtable. You can find that wherever you download your podcast. My other podcast, which I'm really excited about with Tom Looney. We were 14 years on the radio together. It's JT and Looney, wherever you download your podcast. So there is news today in the NFL that Tua reportedly said that he was unconscious. We have the sound. Remember when Tua went down in Cincinnati the week before? He got concussed. It looked that way against Buffalo at home. Here's Tua from earlier. I wouldn't say it was scary for me at the time um, because there were there there was a point where um, I was I was unconscious, so I, I couldn't you know really tell what was going on. Um, so you know when when I did come to and kind of realize uh, what was going on, what was happening, you know I I never I didn't think of of anything um, you know long term or short term. I was just wondering what happened wow okay let's get into that for a minute because this is pr right you normally you're not going to go up there you don't have to tell people that he's at the podium with the dolphin logo behind him so by saying he was unconscious he's telling the truth he said he lost consciousness after the hit that sent him to the hospital he was concussed in that cincinnati game in week four and the minute that happened i got on the radio and said you're not going to see him for a while because of the pr issue I thought that he'd be okay and come out of it. Brett Favre had this happen to him all the time. Other guys did. The snake, go back. Guys got concussed playing. But the way the league is looking at this issue now has changed. So you just heard, too, he says he doesn't remember what happened immediately after getting hit. But he does remember being driven to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center via ambulance, as well as his trip back to Miami with his teammates, which I don't understand that, too, because I was surprised that he flew back with the team. So he was scared about it, and they held him out a couple of extra weeks. And Mike McDaniel, the coach of the team, said yesterday that if the quarterback's competitive nature is ready to extend plays, that he'd be able to play, and he'd be able to go. So look for him to play as they need him to play. They're trying to be competitive, but if he's not healthy or if he's not clear of concussion protocol, which he is, then they would have held them back again. I think that the Dolphins now are triggered on this topic because their owner suspended. They don't have an owner. He suspended Stephen Ross. Okay, they tampered with Tom Brady. Brian Flores has a lawsuit against them, the African-American coach, who really looked at a lot of the issues there and put it out there, went on the Today Show, went on with Brian Gumble and made his point clear about that. So I think that this is a team now that is on the verge. They were right out of the gate playing great, undefeated. Everybody talked about this being the surprise team. Tua cleared concussion protocol Saturday, but he was not active for the game against the Vikings. Why was that? He cleared protocol. It's because they're hedging and they don't want to get in trouble again. So I think this is an organization that is very concerned about their perception. He's preparing as a team starter this week for Sunday night's game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Remember, Pittsburgh beat Tom Brady. And the Raiders have Pittsburgh on the schedule later on. One of the things I was thinking about looking ahead to the Raiders-Pittsburgh game was 
At that point in the year, if the Raiders don't come back and dig out of this hole, it won't matter. But if they do, that's going to be a team that's going to have a quarterback issue. Because if they play Pickett, that'll be good for the Raiders because he doesn't have much experience. Two of the news is pretty interesting because he was the leader in quarterback rating at the time of his injury. He was having a great year here. And his return to the field was, quote, pretty stressful, including his interviews with the NFL and the NFLPA as part of their joint investigation into how his, his situation was handled. I didn't know that either. So he's sitting down with the union and, and giving them all this information because they're running an investigation if they didn't handle this young man properly. So the NFL has got a lot going on. I, I said I wanted to get uh, to what happened last night at the ring ceremony. So I'm on the radio last night on Sirius XM, and Yankees win, and I'm pretty happy about that. And I turn around and I look at the Warriors ring ceremony. And we got a lot of Warrior fans listening to us. And they were so damn cocky at this award ceremony. And I tweeted it out. They deserve to be. If you can't stop someone from being cocky in sports, too bad. Stop them. But LeBron was on the court. So LeBron's there, and the Warriors are handing the mic over. They got music in the background. They're all freestyling on the mic. And I'm like, whoa, LeBron's there. So you don't think that's going to motivate? You know who's there to see that? Russell Westbrook, Hall of Famer. Anthony Davis should be a Hall of Famer. And LeBron. So I'm like, man, yeah, there's a term in gambling called fade the ring ceremony. Usually when you get your ring, you got to give it back. All of a sudden, you're, you're doing selfies with everybody, and you're not ready to play. They humiliated the Lakers. They put their second unit in that game yesterday. When you look at Kaminga and Wiseman and the players that they have there, they look like the Harlem Globetrotters against the Generals. And LeBron played well. You know, for LeBron, so after the game, Charles Barkley goes on. And basically says, he said in the pregame, they could win three to four championships with this team. And then Charles made news because Charles basically said that they got to get rid of Russell Westbrook. He's lost the joy of the game. He doesn't want to play with Pat, Patrick Beverly. Those two are oil and water. They're on the same team. And LeBron's putting up some decent numbers, but LeBron's sitting there getting boat raced by a bunch of teenagers. I mean, the second unit for them is 19, 21, 21, 23. And they're just running up and down the court, and Steph is laughing at one point, laughing on the bench with Clay. Now, if LeBron had a really good team, LeBron would take notice of that and say, all right, I'm going to get this done. Nope, they can't do it. They can't compete. So it took me one game last night, one game, and I can't predict injuries, but one game to almost guarantee you that the Lakers have zero chance of beating the Warriors in the playoffs if the Lakers were able to get there as a 7, 8, or 9 seed because the Lakers aren't going to be a 3 or 4 seed. Darvin Ham got blown out in his first game as head coach of the Lakers, and they were pretty happy about the offseason there. And also James Harden was in good shape, but the Celtics were amazing as they had a great first debut. So a lot of the NBA is kicking off tonight, and then we have a couple of baseball games. I mentioned the Schwarber home run from last night was absolutely brilliant. I mean, that's how you win a World Series. You get a guy like Kyle Schwarber and Bryce Harper, they start hitting home runs. You know, the Yankees have Stanton and Judge. They can hit home runs. The Padres need a performance against Juan. They need Juan Soto and Manny Machado to show up because they don't have Fernando Tatis. So that game is underway. Bottom of the first inning. That's on Fox. Phillies, Padres, no score. If the Padres lose two at home, they're toast. They're done. So they have to win this game. And then the game on TBS at 437. Anybody know what channel that is? Channel of TBS. TBS, Yankees at Astros at Minute Maid Park in Houston 
on that one. Houston minus 190 over under seven in that game. I don't know which Yankee team's going to show up. Is it going to be the Yankee team that won last night? Or is it going to be the Yankee team that's hung over because they were drinking beer and champagne and had to get on the plane, didn't sleep well on the plane, and have to play automatically here? That's what happened there. So there's a lot going on today in sports. We laid it out all for you. We'll see what happens the rest of the week with our Texans talk. And Raider fans, when it comes to the Texans, squash them. Put the game away with like two minutes to go in the third quarter. And I think if the Raiders are able to do that and play with the lead, they'll play looser and better. If the Raiders are not playing with the lead, it'll be their biggest test of the entire campaign, of the entire season. If the Raiders come out of the tunnel at halftime trailing, it'll be the most important half of football in the regular season that I can recall in years. It really is. It's going to be a turning point to the season. Will the Raiders be good enough to make adjustments and come back and win, which is a must-win game, or do they not win the game because Houston has their number? All of our guests this week, including me, the host, I feel pretty confident the Raiders will win the game personnel to personnel, but I can't predict fumbles, tip balls at the line of scrimmage, and penalties. And that's one of the things that the Raiders need to clean up and play a clean game as they get rolling here. 702-365-9200. Also, the Golden Knights lost their first game of the year after they got off to a really good start. Uh, Penalties hurt them. They end up uh, with the loss against the Flames. And then they got Colorado coming in, which is a massive game. Massive game when you get a chance to play the Cup champions, and Vegas is off to a pretty good start, so we have a lot going on there. UNLV football's a topic, as they're going to have to turn it around too. So a lot on the plate here in Vegas this week as the Raiders are coming off the bye week, and we are brought to you by our tremendous friends. And I mean, what a great partner we have when we look at everybody that we're dealing with every day. Modelo, the fighting spirit of Modelo. Raise a Modelo to our good friend Tom Flores. And Jim Plunkett, while you're at it, the fighting spirit of Modelo and the Raider Nation. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Modelo, a proud sponsor of the Raiders and the official beer of fans with the fighting spirit. We haven't had any. Uh, <laughs> no, I, uh, um, yeah, these are always interesting. Um, so um, I got a lot of uh, respect and admiration for my brother and, uh, the job he does, he's a very good coach, and these are uh, fun, you know, things to look back on, you know, years from now, you know, talking about, you know, when we've played each other and coached against one another. So I've tried to recruit my mom and dad to, you know, silver and black for sure this week, which I, I'm, 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 I think I'm winning that war right now. So, um, yeah, but it, it is what it is. Um, we won't talk a whole lot about football. Josh McDaniels going up against his brother. And there's a lot of connections to Houston and the Raiders because of the New England staffs as they have splintered. And some have come to Vegas and some have been in Houston for a while. JT, back with you as we wrap it up here. Thanks to Damon who stepped in for Bobby today. We always appreciate working with him. As I'm taking a look at some of the moving lines here as we're rolling. You know, the number here with the Raiders, there's a lot of people when it gets to six or seven on the Raiders take the other side because they're wondering about can the Raiders cover, can the Raiders win outright here. Look, I'm, I'm not in the point spread business here, but a lot of sharps that I talk to like the Raiders coming into this game. So Houston's got 54%, and I'm looking at the number of tickets on Houston there because of the number and whether the Raiders stand in this game going into this game. So the line opened up at 6.5, and, and now it's at 7, pretty much across the board here in Vegas, depending on where you're shopping. So the Raiders a touchdown favorite at home. This is a game that the Raiders could win big. 
big if they out, if they outplay Houston and they play to their ability. But there's a lot of gamblers that are just looking at Houston to cover. And I even know Raider fans that are looking at Houston to keep it close and cover. That's something that could jump out of us. We have uh, Detroit and Dallas. I really think Detroit's in a tough spot. They, the Thursday night game is New Orleans and Arizona. Raiders lost to Arizona. And New Orleans is coming up here in two weeks. So I, I look at New Orleans and, man, I wish the Raiders were playing New Orleans this week. This would be the week to play them with everything that's going on with them. But they don't. they got to wait. And Dennis Allen is going to have that team highly motivated. I was there on the plane when Dennis Allen got fired. I was one of the few people, I think the only guy on radio other than Lincoln, that can remember that when we came back from London and all got off the plane and had to go through customs in Oakland and he didn't go back. Okay, that's how his career ended with the Raiders and thought he was a good guy. Another guy I sat down with every week on TV and a kind guy and known to be a very good defensive coordinator and a defensive coach. The reason why he's the head coach over there in New Orleans is Sean Payton left suddenly. Sean Payton leaving, now he's gone to Fox, and people are saying, how long is Dennis Allen going to keep that job? Well, if he doesn't win, he's not going to. That's a job that a lot of coaches want. They don't want the Carolina job. Everybody wants to coach in the NFL, but if you can pick the job that you want, New Orleans is pretty cool because of the dome, the history, what they have, the lifestyle, and all that there. But that's still a week ahead, a week away. As we continue here, the other big national story, everybody, today is Russell Wilson. He's day-to-day with this hamstring injury. So I got a buddy of mine who's on the radio in Denver, and I texted him today, and I said, more heat on Hackett or Russ? Let me read the text. Much more on Russ. He's not delivering, and everybody is reading through these phony press conferences. Whoa! I read that again. So, man, man, that's something. So what Russell Wilson is doing now is he's going to these press conferences Let's ride. Broncos country, and they're like, no, 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 no. We don't want to hear that again. You're not Elway. You're not Peyton. Stop. So he has to stop that now. They're telling him, Damon, you're cracking up here, but it's true. They're telling him, and they're leaking in the media, stop with the cheesy. I want my jersey signed when I lose at halftime. No one wants to see you sign your jersey to another quarterback when you lost. And no one wants to hear, let's ride. Broncos country. And he walks away, and everyone's like, wait a second, Elway. Manning and you know doing the pistol thing there. It's over. It's over before it started. Now, I'm one of the few who believe in this guy. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think he'll figure it out. And the Raiders are going to have to play in Denver this year. And the Raiders are going to have to play a big game in Denver this year. It's going to be make or break for both teams. Most insiders think that Denver is worse than the Raiders because of the record. The Raiders you know, only have one win. Denver's got an extra win than the Raiders. But the Raiders are playing well. At times, Denver hasn't played well at all this year. Denver is struggling at a level that I haven't seen in quite some time, and no one had that, and everybody went over the top saying how great Denver was going to be. How much time, Damon, did we spend on that this summer talking about Denver, 10 and a half wins? You heard how many national shows talked about them going deep into the playoffs. And it was just, we're seeing it now, just unproven hype for the Denver Broncos. A coach who had to bring in um, Jerry Rosberg to say, hey, can you teach me when I should run the ball or maybe not go for it on fourth down or when to kick a field goal? The head coach didn't have to bring someone in after a couple of games and say, hey, can you help me manage the clock? And Russell Wilson, he's just looking. He's toast. Yeah, I'm not going to go that far because I've seen him play at such a high level and win a Super Bowl and play in two. I think there's more to Russell Wilson. I wouldn't write his obituary just yet. But, man, they're writing that obituary in Denver. So Thursday night will be the Saints, Cardinals. uh, The Falcons play the Bengals. That's a big game. If the Bengals lose, they go to three and four. 
Uh, Cowboys get Dak Prescott back. Titans-Colts is important. Raiders already lost to the Titans. They play the Colts coming up here. I don't know what Raider Nation thinks on that one, but maybe a tie because I look at the ties with these teams. Packers play the Commanders. If Aaron Rodgers loses this game, that'll be three in a row to the Jets, the Giants, and the Commanders. A lot of pressure on them. The Bucks should have a walkover with the Panthers. Giants are at the Jaguars. I'll be watching that game closely. Giants are 5-1. and one. Jags are 2-4. and four. The Giants win that game. The Jaguars will be 2-5 and five with the Raiders around the corner. Ravens, Browns, Jets, Broncos. The Jets beat the Broncos. They'll go to 5-2. and two. Wow. And they, they could get in the way with the Raiders if you're thinking wild card. That's an interesting game. Seahawks, Chargers. Can, can Geno beat the Chargers in L.A.? Trevor Lawrence did. Chiefs, Niners is a big one. Steelers, Dolphins, and Monday night, the Patriots and the Bears. Thanks again to our insiders. We had Bill Romanowski on, Bill Williamson, Vinny Bonsignor. Nice job again. Thanks to Mon. Thanks to everybody at Lotus and behind the scenes and all of our proud partners. Have a great night. We got baseball in progress, and Q is barreling in right here behind me for his show for the next three hours. Enjoy the rest of the day, everyone.